This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. All right, so this morning we have titled our message and it's coming up on the screen, What Believing Looks Like. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, I know that that's not the best grammar. I know it's not the best way of putting the English language together. But you know me by now. <clears throat> you know, whenever I teach something, whenever I explain something, whenever I'm trying to understand something, I always want to know what does it look like. In other words, don't just give me a whole lot of information. Tell me what it actually looks like practically for me. Tell me how I can make this my own. Tell me how. Show me how I can practice it. Show me how I can put it into action in my own life. How I can experience it for myself. And that's what I mean when I say what it looks like. And you know, one of the things that we are called is believers, right? And believers, I mean, just think of that term. Believers are believers because they believe, right? Or at least they are supposed to believe. And you know, so walking by faith is such an important part of our Christian walk, of our lives. As believers, we need to be believing. And you know, there's different aspects to believing, but we need to believe gospel truth. We need to live by gospel truth. It means that we believe God, we believe in God, we believe on God, we believe His Word, we believe what he said, we believe what he's done, and we believe that he's the only one ultimately that is God and that we can put our faith and trust in him. So believing is a huge aspect, a huge part of our lives as believers. In actual fact, how can you refer or how, how can someone refer to themselves as a believer if they don't believe? And you know, so we need to understand, <clears throat> first and foremost, what does it mean to believe? And then secondly, what does it look like to believe? What does God say when He says that we need to believe and need to be believing? And so that's why we're going to look at what believing looks like. Now, <clears throat> if someone asked you, how would you define believing? Let's just say that someone came to you, maybe they want to receive salvation in Jesus, maybe they're considering, you know, stepping into Christendom, and they say to you, well, what does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be believing? What is believing? How would you define it? How would you explain it to them? You see, it's only when we can adequately, clearly, and almost immediately explain to someone what believing is and what believing looks like, that it reveals that we understand it for ourselves, that we know it ourselves. Amen. And so it's another area in our Christian walk that needs to be fine-tuned on a regular basis. We need to know and understand what it means to believe and why we need to believe and what believing looks like. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, I've looked at a number of um, secular dictionaries. You know, I've looked at the Merriam-Webster's. I've looked at the Oxford American Dictionary. 
uh, I've looked at a number of them and I've kind of compiled together a list more or less of the similarities between them and how they define believing. So let me show you. It's going to come up on the screen. Now remember, these are not necessarily biblical or Bible-based dictionaries. But this, in essence, is how the majority of them define believing. They say that believing means to consider something as true. They say that believing means to accept as true or to accept something as true. Believing means to regard something as fact. Believing, they say, also means to have a firm, wholehearted conviction or persuasion about something. So look at that real carefully. Now, you'll agree with me that most of this, if not all of it, has some biblical truth to it. But notice how <clears throat> it's all focused on our ability to believe, our um, effort to believe. It's when we are convinced that we can believe it is true, when we accept something as true, when we regard something as fact. That all seems to be externally driven <clears throat> to convince us to believe. And in essence, in general, you know, just secularly speaking, that's what believing means. But is that how God defines believing? Now, <clears throat> all of that plays a part in believing biblically. But that's not how we define biblical believing. So what I did is I had a look in the New Testament, you know, the word believing, and I pulled out the meaning from that. And so let me show you how the Strong's Dictionary, now this is a biblical definition. It goes and it looks like at the original language, that the Bible was written in, and it shows us the meaning. And so here it is here from the Strong's Greek Dictionary. You pronounce it as pistuo, something like that, pistuo. And what it means, directly translated, it means to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or thing. You see, it's slightly different than the secular definition, as you can see, because this talks about trust and confidence. It talks about putting trust and confidence without having to be persuaded or convinced. In other words, it's someone who just relies on someone. The secular definitions are all about, you know, we say, see it as fact, we see it as, as truth because of some form of conviction that we received. This says, you just put your faith in that person, then it says, <clears throat> that is credit by implication, watch this, to entrust specially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. Believe or believer, commit to trust, put in trust with. Notice how the biblical definition and how it differs from the secular definition the biblical definition talks about putting trust and confidence in God and what He's done for us in and through Jesus. It's just totally putting our reliance on Him. Whereas the secular definition talks about, you know, it's, we consider it as true, we accept it as true, we regard it as fact, and we, have, we end up having a firm wholehearted conviction and persuasion about something. 
Notice how it carries that human effort behind it. It's like we need to be convinced of something. Whereas the biblical definition talks about the fact that we see it, we believe it. We know there's God, we don't understand everything, but our trust is in Him. So it's, there's a slight variance and a slight difference which makes the difference in our believing. Because I'll submit to you today, and I may be speaking to the choir, but there are many believers, and I need to check myself too, is where often because we live in this natural world, and we, our dealings are mostly with natural people, with natural things in this world, and it should be so, we have a tendency to carry over the way we believe secularly, the way we believe in the world, we have a tendency to try and believe God and believe in God and on God and upon God in the same way. In other words, when I'm convinced, when I see it as true, when I see it as fact, when I see it as, you know, <clears throat> I'm convinced of it, then I'll believe it. And you can see that that's not quite how God defines believing. And so, secular dictionaries define basically natural faith. Or you could say human faith. And rightly so, because that's what they're there for. But scripture <clears throat> defines supernatural faith. Or you could say spiritual faith. Because that's what God is. He's spirit. And those who worship Him must, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are primarily a spirit being. We live in a body, we have a soul, but we are spirit. And our spirit will exist forever, just like God. And so if we want to relate to God, if we want to believe God, we've got to believe spiritually. We've got to believe with supernatural faith, more than natural human faith. Human faith plays a role in connecting us to and helping us receive spiritual, supernatural faith. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, our relationship with God, our Christian walk, our spiritual walk has to be driven by and has to be influenced and has to stand on the base of supernatural believing, supernatural faith, spiritual faith. Amen. Does that make sense? And so, when you think about human faith, or human believing, and you think about spiritual faith, or spiritual believing, one has to do with our own ability to believe. And I'm going to show you all this in a moment. I'm going to show you a contrast between the two. But one has to do with our own ability to believe. Whereas the, and, and it's based on our natural senses and abilities. The other, which is spiritual faith or spiritual believing or supernatural believing, has to do with God's ability to believe, which is given to us in Jesus. Because if we could do it in and of ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. It's because we couldn't that God gives us Jesus, gives us faith in Jesus, gives us the faith of Jesus to live by, and therefore we can have supernatural spiritual faith and that's the faith that God wants us living by living in and basically directing our lives if you can put it that way and so <clears throat> we want to understand the difference between human believing or human faith as I call it and 
spiritual faith or spiritual believing. So, to show us the difference between the two, and even though this may not be rocket science, even, even though we may be familiar with this, it's amazing how often, and I'm speaking to myself here too, how often we find ourselves thinking that we are believing spiritually, that we are believing scripturally, when in truth we are believing naturally, we are believing um, by our human effort, it's human faith. And so that's what we want to crystallize today and really, uh, you know, <laughs> crystallize the difference between the two so that we can believe God the way He wants us to believe Him. Amen. And so let's have a look at an example first of human faith, or you could say human believing and what it looks like. And then we're going to look at another example of what spiritual faith looks like, or you could say spiritual believing. And you will see a clear contrast between the two, but also it will help us crystallize our believing today. Because I know for a fact that oftentimes, and I'm speaking to myself here too, we get frustrated with faith. We get frustrated with believing God. We get discouraged. We may not voice it, but in our hearts, you know, we've turned hard, we've turned cold because, you know, we've believed God, we've trusted Him, and we've declared, and we've done this, and we've done that. Why am I not getting the breakthrough? Why is this not happening in my life? And I know with me, more often than I'd like to admit, I find myself that I've been believing with human faith instead of supernatural faith. And so this isn't about guilt, shame, or condemnation. This is about fine-tuning our believing. Amen. So let's see what human believing looks like and what it's based on and why it won't work for us like God wants it to work for us. That's why He gives us supernatural faith, believing. So let's have a look at an example of human faith first. John 20, verse 24 to 29. Now, this talks about Jesus after His appearing, uh, after His resurrection, when He appears to the disciples in the upper room. <clears throat> okay? And of course, this is about Thomas. And here you are going to see human faith, human believing. Watch this. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. In other words, when He appeared to them. The other disciples therefore said unto Him, We have seen the Lord. This is after His resurrection, remember. But He said unto them, and here it is, this is what human faith looks like. This is what human believing looks like. But He said unto them, Except I shall see in His hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of his nails, <laughs> and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, what Thomas is saying by saying that, is that unless I am convinced physically, unless my natural senses are convinced, can you see how this is all secular definition? Unless I am convinced and then on top of that, just think about what he just said. He says, I need to see him with my own eyes. I need to see the, you know, the nail prints on his hands. And then on top of that, he says, I need to put my finger in there and feel it for myself. I mean, 
<laughs> it just, it's so weird. And then on top of that, he says, I need to take my hand and thrust it where the spear was thrust into his side. In other words, I need to put my hand into the wound. Just think, uh, imagine what this looks like. And he says, unless that happens. In other words, I am, unless I am, my senses are convinced. Unless I am physically and externally convinced and intellectually convinced, I am not going to believe. You see, that is human faith. Now, I'm not saying human faith is bad or it's wrong. We need it to function here on earth. But when it comes to believing God, who is spirit, we need to have spiritual faith. We need to function by spiritual faith. And oftentimes we find ourselves, you know, if God opens that door, I know that it's Him. If God gets three people to tell me the same thing in the next week, that is God. And unless I see the same portions of Scripture, and just supernaturally when I open the Bible, it's going to fall on the right place, I know that it's going to be God. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like Thomas? Of course it does. Let's carry on reading. <clears throat> he says, and after eight days again, his disciples were within. So they were gathered again. So this is a week later, almost a week and a day. And Thomas with him. So now he's there. Then came Jesus. So he appeared again. The doors being shut. So Jesus just basically supernaturally came through the dimension of the door without it being opened. And stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Isn't that awesome? If you look at that, You'll see it says peace and the B is actually in italics, which means that it's not in the original. So what Jesus actually said is peace unto you. And I can preach about that for another session, but we won't. It's pretty amazing. Then it goes on in verse 27. And watch what he says. Then saith he to Thomas. This is now Jesus addressing the one who flows in human believing, in human faith. Reach hither thy finger. Isn't that wonderful, the love of God and just how He wants us to believe? That He says, okay, Thomas, now notice, the Lord heard His conversation, even though He wasn't there. <laughs> he heard Him because really He was there. So He says, put your finger in, in the nail holes in my hand and behold my hands. So He literally hands His hands over to Him and He says, do it. Go ahead, Thomas. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to picture this and being there and thinking, how would I feel if I was Thomas? I mean, it's embarrassing, I think. And then watch what Jesus says. And be not faithless, but believing. In other words, when you were looking for physical, tangible, natural evidence, and you were looking to be convinced naturally with your human faith you were being faithless in other words that's not really believing he says but be believing and get move on from here on then it says in 28 and thomas answered and said unto him my lord my god jesus said unto him thomas because thou hast seen me thou hast believed Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. What Jesus basically said in that phrase is that those who believe beyond natural 
faith, beyond human faith, are the ones who actually believe. So in other words, what believing looks like scripturally is when we just believe and put our trust in God, as we saw in the Strong's definition. But oftentimes we find that our natural senses want some kind of conviction, want some kind of convincing. We want to see something. We want to hear something. We want to touch something. We want something tangible to happen, something natural to happen for us to be convinced. And the Lord says, that has been faithless and that is not believing. He says, blessed. In other words, they are empowered with God's unmerited favor. Blessed are they that have not seen yet believe. You see, he's not rebuking Thomas, he's encouraging Thomas. And in actual fact, he was willing to entertain him. He said, here you go, Thomas, knock yourself out and see if that works for you. But that's not how you believe. Believe because I said it. Believe because I am, is what he's saying. And you see, that's what God wants for us. So this here is a picture of natural human faith. And as you can see, Please listen to what I'm about to say carefully because this is a key that is going to turn something for someone. I sensed that by the Spirit this morning as I was praying, as I was finalizing my message. I sensed that the, what I'm about to share is going to turn the key for someone in their believing, in their faith. So the basis of natural faith, or you could say human faith, human believing, what is the basis of it as we've seen in Thomas's account? It is sense knowledge and mental assent. Did you hear what I said? That is the basis of human faith. And I know the reason why I'm saying this is going to turn the key for someone. I can sense the anointing and the spirit moving here as I'm talking. The reason why I'm saying this is going to turn the key for someone is because I think what has happened in those whose word this is for is that too often, we've confused sense knowledge and mental assent for supernatural spiritual believing or faith. Let me tell you what the difference is between the two. What the difference is between sense knowledge and mental assent. Sense knowledge is rooted in sensory perception, the five senses. Just like Thomas, I need to see it. I need to touch it, I need to feel it, I need to hear it, I need to smell it, I need to taste it. I'm adding all the five senses in there. But that is sense knowledge. It is rooted in sensory perception. In other words, your senses need to be stimulated and shown and proved. That's what that is. And it's also personal experience. In other words, if I experience it naturally for myself, I will believe. That is sense knowledge. A good illustration that I can give you for that is that of fire. Most of us, if not all of us, believe in fire, right? Why is that? Because we have seen it, we have felt it, we felt its warmth, we've smelled it because of the fumes, we've heard it because of the crackling that it comes out of it, and we've smelled the flames, as I said. So our senses are stimulated, and that is sense knowledge, and that's why we believe in fire. Now, we need that to function on earth, 
But that's not the kind of believing that God says that the Lord Jesus said is believing. Are you with me? Then, what is mental assent? Mental assent is rooted in intellectual agreement or acknowledgement that does not necessarily impact our behavior or our actions. So mentally, intellectually, we agree with something, but it doesn't actually impact our lives or our behavior or our conduct. That's mental assent. So you agree with something because you have head knowledge, but it hasn't actually become revelation knowledge that causes you, moves you to action. A good illustration of that would be is, is that everyone, especially everyone over 40, I'm guessing, especially, everyone agrees with the idea that regular exercise and healthy eating are beneficial for good health. Yes? But how many of them actually practice it? And I'm talking to myself here too. How many of us actually practice it? Not as many as agree, right? You see, so mentally, with, with our mental assent, so we agree intellectually, we agree mentally. Yes, we should eat healthy. Yes, we should exercise. But just because we have that mental assent doesn't mean that it's impacted our lives and that it's moved us to have a very strict diet and a strict exercise regimen, right? And so that's what that is. So that is sense knowledge and that is mental assent. And that's exactly what natural faith is based on. That's how it works. That is the basis of it. And Jesus actually pointed that out to us in and through Thomas. You see, Jesus did not, did not recommend that kind of believing. Are you with me? As meaningful as it may be to us to function in this world, that's not how we ought to relate to God and what true biblical believing looks like. Okay, so now let's talk about what actual biblical believing looks like. What scriptural believing looks like. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 to 21. Watch this from the King James. This is talking about Abraham and God's promise to him. And so watch what God says. Or watch what it says. As it is written, <clears throat> God speaking here to Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. In other words, I've made you a promise, Abraham, before him, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, watch this, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Notice, this is showing us what scriptural, biblical believing looks like. And watch this. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also 
to perform. Notice that Abraham had every possible reason to doubt God. If he was tapped into natural faith, natural believing, he had plenty of reason to be like Thomas. But he did the opposite of Thomas. When he realized he was too old to conceive, to have seed, to conceive a child, he didn't consider that fact. He knew that Sarah was too old to conceive. He didn't consider that fact. When everything seemed hopeless and hope could not be found naturally, he chose to believe and hope in God, to hold on to God's promise. And he never allowed himself, not by human effort, but by conviction, he never allowed himself in his believing to become weak. And the way that he did that is by not considering the natural things that he saw. What he did was that he rather gave glory to God. In other words, he put his total trust and confidence in God and said, I don't understand it. I know that naturally speaking, I'm too old. So is she. It doesn't seem like there's any way. It seems hopeless. We've had this promise for more than 15 years. And it just looks like, and you know, whatever. He says, but that's not what moves me. And I don't even think he said any of that, but I'm just putting it out so we can understand. He knew what was around him. He knew the natural circumstances, but none of it affected him. None of it changed him. Why? Because he knew how to trust God by the power of God, meaning his promise and his word and his existence. He knew that God was real. He knew that God had promised him. He knew that God would do as he said. And he hung on to that and he stayed by that without having to be convinced, without having proof, without having natural faith trying to get in the way. Amen. We see that very clearly here. So equally speaking or conversely speaking, the basis of supernatural faith, or you could say spiritual faith, is trust and confidence in God, in His Word, in His promises, in His ability, in His faithfulness. Amen. It's just totally and completely putting our trust and confidence in Him. That's what it is. That's what spiritual biblical believing looks like. Spiritual faith is basically put, putting one's total trust and confidence in God and His faithfulness. Spirit, supernatural faith operates outside of the natural realm and physical laws, right? Because <laughs> Abraham believed outside of all that. Praise God. Supernatural faith believes in spiritual truth, such as redemption in Jesus. Think about it. You know, I know sometime, and you know, I, I remember I, I had a conversation with someone <laughs> long ago. You know, I was sharing something similar to what I'm sharing with you today. And they were like, well, I don't know if I can believe like that. I mean, gee, I'm not Abraham. I mean, Abraham must have had something supernatural. No, he didn't. You actually have the advantage because you have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You have redemption in Jesus. You have the finished work of the cross behind you. We are actually <laughs> at greater advantage than Abraham. And yet he could believe that way. So we can believe that way. And you know, the honest truth is, if you have received salvation in Jesus, you believe like Abraham believed. Because for you to believe that you are forgiven for your sin, 
and that you are saved, it takes the same faith that it took Abraham to believe. No proof, no requirement, you just believed it. So if you can believe for salvation, you can believe for anything else. So you already have the ability to believe the way he believed. Amen? And this is the kind of believing that Jesus recommends. He didn't recommend natural believing. He recommends supernatural believing. Amen? Look again at John 20 verse 29, the second part of that verse from the New Living Translation. Watch us now. Let's look at that again. Remember what Jesus said? He said, Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. In other words, blessed are those who believe with supernatural faith, who put their total trust and confidence in me and don't look to be convinced. They don't look for mental assent. They don't look for, what was the other thing that I said? They don't look for sense knowledge before they're convinced. They just believe. <laughs> Whatever it takes, however long it takes, we just believe. You see, it's not about effort. I mean, we look at Abraham, it was at least a 15-year period, but Abraham wasn't looking at time because he believed God, and that's all he stood by. He believed God. His believing was timeless, and that's how our believing needs to be. It needs to be timeless because that's how we know we really believe, right? Regardless of what we go through. You see, true faith believes without seeing without having natural evidence or experience. Isn't that so? True faith takes God at His word and believes Him completely, just like salvation. Do you agree with that? I hope that you do. And if you don't, let me show you that you do. You didn't see Jesus being crucified, did you? You weren't actually there when it happened. Yet you believe that He was. That's believing like Abraham believed. That's scriptural faith. You didn't see Him rise from the dead. You weren't there with the disciples that actually saw it. Right? Yet you believe that He did. So do you believe like Abraham? Yes, you do. You didn't see His blood being shed for your sins. Yet you believe that it was. Isn't that so? So therefore... That is supernatural faith. That is spiritual faith. That is believing scripturally, believing, believing biblically. So you're already doing that. Now we just need to extend that same believing to other areas of our lives. Whether it's our health, whether it's our financial prosperity, whether it's you know work, whatever it is, we just need to carry that over to those other areas in our lives. Just the way that I believe that I am saved, that I have been redeemed by Jesus, even though I wasn't there, I'm going to believe God's promise that I am blessed to be a blessing, that I am prosperous wherever I go, that God's favor goes before me, that health and wholeness are mine in Jesus. I believe it. Amen. Not because of mental assent or anything else. And this is the kind of faith that Abraham had. Amen. And so this is the kind of faith that Jesus recommends that we continue in throughout our lives. Praise God. The fact that we can all receive the very same salvation in Jesus is evidence 
that we can all believe in the same way. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. The fact that we can all receive the very same salvation in Jesus, right, is evidence that we can all believe the same way. That we all have the ability to believe the same way. True or not true? That's true. Because we're all saved the same way. We all receive the exact same salvation. Therefore, we've all believed the exact same way. So if we can do that, it shows us that we can believe for anything else the exact same way. Right? Look at Romans 12, verse 3. It actually backs up what I just said there. This is Paul speaking here. He says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man, every person that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according, watch us, as God has dealt to every person, watch us, the measure of faith. I know some translations say a measure of faith, but the better way or the more accurate way to translate it from the original is the measure of faith. So what this is showing us here, because this is inspired by God and the Holy Spirit, what that is showing us is, is that every person has been given the exact same ability to believe spiritually, to believe supernaturally. That's what he's showing us there. And you know, I, I was trying to think, how can I illustrate that? And let's see if I, I'm going to have a go at it, and hopefully I'm not going to botch it and mess it up. But let's just say that I had this huge piece of land. I mean, it's so big, you couldn't even see the end of it with your natural eye, no matter which direction you turned. That's, that's a big piece of land, right? Now let's just say that I decided to be generous and give each of you 10 square miles of land of that, of that, of the, from that land. So each of you now that is listening, that is watching, that is here with us today, I am going to give you, remember this is illustration, okay? I'm going to give you 10 square miles of land, good prime land. So now, question, is everyone going to receive the same? Yes, they are. So, are they receiving a measure of land, or are they receiving the measure of land? They are receiving the measure, the measure of land that I am giving. But are they also receiving a measure of land? Yes, they are. So, technically, it makes sense, but the more accurate way is to say that you are receiving the measure of land, because I am giving the same to everyone, right? So it makes sense. And this is exactly what this is saying. This is not saying, as I've heard some <laughs> weird teaching out there, who misinterprets this and goes with the A instead of the V. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is what this is saying. He's, and in actual fact, let's put that up again, because he actually backs it up when he says, God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. The, every person or every man, is basically showing us that God has given equal believing power, believing ability to every person. Right? And so, 
but just in case we're not con convinced of that, Ephesians 4 verse 7 confirms the same thing. Watch us now. But unto everyone of us is given grace according to, watch us, the same word, the same phraseology used here, the measure of the gift of Christ. So has everyone received the same grace? Yes, they have. And what is it based on? The measure of Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus. The gift of Jesus. So did everyone receive it equally? Yes, they did. It's the same phraseology and it's actually a reference to the portion that we've just seen. So we can see from that that this is not a matter of how spiritual you get, how well you know the Word and how much you go to church, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of those things. But at the end of the day, God has given every single person the same ability to believe spiritually, to believe supernaturally. This is why they can all receive salvation, regardless of where they are and who they are in life. They can receive it the same way, and they do receive it the same way. And it's that very same ability to believe that we can Trust God with for everything else in our lives. Amen. Amen. Far from human faith and natural faith. Now, look at Hebrews 12 verse 2, the first part of that verse. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But notice, our is in italics, so it's not in the original. So really, this should read this way. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. <laughs> so ultimately, who authors your faith? The Lord Jesus does. Ultimately, who finishes and completes your faith? Jesus does. You see, this is why we live by the faith of Jesus. It took His faith to redeem you and me, not our faith. When he was on that cross and he said, it is finished, it was his faith at work that redeemed us. When he rose from the dead, it was his faith at work. Seated at the right hand of God is his faith at work. This is why we live by the faith of Jesus. Another word that most translations have botched and taken away the true meaning. Because instead of saying of Jesus, they've translated as in Jesus, making it something that comes from us, and it doesn't. We live by the faith of Jesus, and He authors our faith, and He finishes, He completes our faith. Amen? This is why all, if you want to do something, all we can do is put our trust and confidence in Him. That is what biblical, scriptural believing looks like. Amen? So God has given us all the exact same ability to believe. To believe Him and on Him. Amen. And that's what Abraham's believing was based on. On what God said and His promises. It was based on God. It was based on Him. A type and a shadow for us in Jesus. Amen. Therefore, our believing should be based on what God said and what He has promised us in Jesus. Amen. You see, we shouldn't be like Thomas, wanting to be convinced with natural and experiential proof. You know, with mental ascent and everything else that we've discussed today before we believe. No, just the way we receive salvation, the way you receive Christ is the way you live in Him. 
the same believing, the same way. Amen. Now, there's one more thing that I want to point out to you here. Out of Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 21. And this time we're going to read it from the New King James. Watch what it says. And not being, watch what it says next. Weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, <clears throat> giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, was, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Look at the portions that have been emboldened there. And what I want to point out to you, Faith, or we could say believing, weakens. Notice carefully looking at that. Faith weakens when we consider natural circumstances more than we consider God's promises and His ability to fulfill them. Isn't that what that's saying right there? You see, when we consider the natural things, faith or believing weakens. Supernatural believing. Because now natural believing kicks in. We cannot let natural circumstances we find ourselves in cause doubt on God's promises to us. Isn't that so? And then at the same time we see there that strong faith does not consider the natural circumstances as greater than God or His promises. Amen? It doesn't mean that Abraham ignored the facts. It doesn't mean that he was in la land making believe as though it wasn't. He was aware of what was going on. But that's not where his conviction was. That's not where his trust and confidence was in. His trust and confidence was in God and his promises to him. Amen. That's biblical believing. You see, believing is made stronger, as we've seen in that portion, when we don't consider natural circumstances to be greater than God. Right? Believing is made stronger when we don't doubt God's promises, right? Believing is made stronger when we give glory to God because we believe in Him. Amen? Believing is made stronger when we remain fully convinced that God will do as He promised. Amen? Praise God, praise God. You see, when Abraham's natural circumstances contradicted God's promise, he chose to believe God. Amen. And you and I have far greater than Abraham. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the new birth experience. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We have the finished work of the cross, which is a reality to us because it happened. Amen. And because of that, we can believe the way Abraham believed and more. Amen. And that is what supernatural scriptural believing looks like amen and i want to encourage you today let's keep our eye on god let's keep trusting him don't ever get caught up in works of faith and i've got to do this to have this kind of faith and i've got to do that to have that kind of faith you know those are all things that are pulled out of scripture with a lack of context with a lack of dividing you know law and grace and so forth at the end of the day, it's very simple. Abraham didn't have a Bible. Abraham didn't have all his Christian channels that he would listen to his favorite teachers. 
Abraham just simply trusted and believed God and His promises. Amen. He didn't look for natural proof. He didn't allow natural believing, which we need for this life. But he didn't allow that to become the catalyst for him believing God. Rather, he put his trust and confidence in God. And that's what God wants you and I to continue doing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's end off with a quote that I found from Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of God who lived back in the day. And, you know, you can Google him and find out more about him online. But he was a phenomenal man of God. Watch what he said about what we are talking about here today. It's going to come up on the screen. He said, and I quote, There is nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. End quote. Powerful, isn't it? And <laughs> he had it spot on. And that's exactly, I mean, that's in essence today's message, today's sermon, today's teaching in a nutshell. Praise God. And so I trust that that encouraged you today. I sense that somehow something turned for you today. God told me that He was going to do that today, and I believe that He has. Amen. So may the days ahead be of greater glory than ever before for you. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.